Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Okay, so this weekend, we're going to be diving into Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 5. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron, and both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John, and he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now here is Zechariah's response to all this. He's been waiting his whole life for a moment like this. And this is how he responds. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you didn't believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. What's really interesting about this passage is the way that it's structured. I don't know if you can tell by just the listening of the story, but there are these multiple layers or levels of waiting that I want to walk us through because this passage, just like the season of Christmas, is about the way that God uses waiting in our life to transform us into people of hope. And so I'm going to use this, in the West we call these babushka dolls, they're little Russian nesting dolls, and within each shell there's another babushka doll going further and further in. And it represents the layers of waiting that are going on in this passage. And it starts with Israel. Back 730 years prior to this moment that we're reading about, Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 9 that a child would be born unto them. The Messiah will come. They must have thought that that was going to happen maybe even in their lifetime. Little did they know that they would be waiting 730 years. And then there's the layer of Elizabeth and Zechariah, right? Waiting a lifetime to have their child. And then within that, There is the layer of Zechariah and his silence for nine months. 
And so what we're going to do is I'm going to use this and we're going to go through each layer of this waiting and look at how God uses waiting to transform us into people of hope. All right, so here we go. Let's start with the first layer. The first level is Israel waiting 730 years for the Messiah. That's a long time. Have you ever waited for anything for a long time? Something you thought would only take a week or a month, but it stretched on into years. Those are really hard waiting seasons. Those, you get to those places where it just feels like it's never going to happen. And that's where the Israelites are at, right? And for the last 500 years, from Malachi, the last prophetic word, to Luke, right? It had been 500 years and there hadn't even been a prophetic word about the Messiah. So it was this period of deafening silence. And that's the context in which we get to all these people in Luke chapter one and where we find Zechariah and Elizabeth. The people of Israel had been waiting for a really long time for the Messiah, but there was this faithful remnant, these people who were waiting on God. And we see that later in Luke chapter two, verse 32, in describing Anna and Simeon who come at the circumcision of Jesus. Luke describes them this way. He describes them as, as people who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. There were the faithful who were waiting. And then there were other people who waited differently. They waited by taking things into their own hands. We had the zealots who were the revolutionaries. We had the Sadducees who um, had committed political compromise with the Roman government. When we have to wait, there's different ways in which we can wait that either increase our hope in God or more deeply ingrain our hope in anything else besides God. Now, since the fifth century, Christians have used Advent as a way of renewing their hope in God, a way of purifying themselves from all the other things that they have little by little, incrementally, imperceptibly put their hope in instead of God. Advent was a time of waiting for the coming of God. And that's what Advent means. Advent means coming. And what they did was they used it to celebrate the coming of Jesus as a child at Christmas, and they used that to increase their hope and expectancy that one day Jesus would come again. And that is a core Christian hope. And that we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let me read this to you guys. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, and with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God, And the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So when we look at this idea that Israel was waiting for 730 years, we are like those Israelites. As Christians, we are waiting for Jesus to return. And Advent is a time for us to renew our hope and Jesus is coming again. Now, secondly, there's another layer. And so I want to go back to our babushka doll. So here's the babushka doll, right? So here's Israel waiting 730 years. That's one layer of waiting. This sort of national, even global waiting. All right, but within that, there's this other layer. And there's this other degree of waiting that we see going on. And that is Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth are, are waiting have been waiting their whole lives for a child. And 
Well, look right here. It says that in verse seven, it says, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. You know, often in the waiting, we feel abandoned by God. We feel discouraged. We can even feel defeated. And what Luke wants to emphasize here is that they were really old. And with that, there was a sense of like, you might even say like a sense of brokenheartedness that they just carried with them. Now in verse 25, Elizabeth gives us an inside peek into what it felt like to wait her whole life to have a child. In verse 25, when she gets the news that she's going to have a baby, it says, she says this, the Lord has done this for me. She said, in these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now that's really telling. Sometimes in these areas of waiting in our personal lives, waiting can give way to discouragement, defeat, but also disgrace. And for her, in this time, to, to not have a child was a sign that you didn't have God's favor. And we see this in the Old Testament as well. We see this with Sarah waiting to have Isaac for countless decades. We see this with Hannah, who eventually became Samuel's mother, crying out to God to have a child, waiting for God to have favor on her. And so for Elizabeth to not have a child, it just it was a demonstration that God wasn't smiling on her. And when we have to wait for God to answer our prayers or fulfill our hopes and our dreams, it can feel like God himself has stopped shining on us, that God himself has taken his favor away from us. That somewhere along the way that we failed, that we screwed up, that we made a mistake that now has cost us our dreams for our whole life. Waiting can lead to despair. And that's what Proverbs 13 is talking about when it says this. I'm going to read to you a couple versions of Proverbs 13, verse 12. Listen to this. Hope delayed makes the heart sick. Or another translation, hope postponed grieves the heart. And yet another translation says that when hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. If you ask yourself, why when we wait, aren't we growing in excitement about what's going to happen? It's almost like there's this default in us that the longer we wait, the more the temperature is turned up on the forces of discouragement and fear and uncertainty about the future. And that's because waiting has a way of like just stripping us down to our most vulnerable, fragile, mortal selves. Waiting reminds us that we're just not in control. Have you ever felt that? I mean, we can even feel it sitting at like at a stoplight, right? You're just sitting there, you're in a hurry, you're trying to get somewhere. And just those two minutes of waiting can feel like an eternity. Well, I was in a hurry one time on the road and I got pulled over by a cop because I was driving 50 in a 40. Gave me a ticket. I had to do traffic school, right? That's like the worst part. It's not bad enough that you have to pay a traffic ticket. It was like 350 bucks, but then you got to do traffic school. Four hours online, I'm sitting there. And one of the questions had this sort of calculation and it was saying that, you know, it was going through the different speeds that you could drive on the road. It went 70 miles an hour. And if you were driving this far, you would only save one minute. I can't remember the distance, but it was doing these calculations. 80 miles an hour on the road, 
and you would only save two minutes. <laughs> it was something like that. 90 miles and you're only going to save four minutes. And then it put down like four minutes and then it put down the price of an average speeding ticket. And it was really interesting, right? Like you can sit there and feel like in just those few minutes, it's going to make all the difference. And we get so caught up in how hard it is just to wait those few minutes. We're willing to speed. We're willing to rush through intersections to get those tickets, even if it might give us the hope of getting there on time. It is hard to wait. And we do crazy, irrational things like speeding and getting a ticket for two minutes and paying $400 for just maybe two minutes on our drive. Waiting is hard. And it tests us. It shows us we're not in control. Waiting exposes where our hope is. That's the important thing. And that's where we find Elizabeth and Zechariah, right? When God makes us wait on the things that we're calling out to him for in our lives, God will allow us to wait, to bring to light where our hope really is because God is committed to transforming us into his people of hope. When Zechariah gets the news that he's going to have a child, you'd think he'd be excited. He would be ecstatic. Like he'd be like, finally, you know, it's about time, God. But instead, he freaks out, right? How would you describe the way Zechariah responds to the angel? He responds in the passage, he's startled, he's terrified, and eventually he's incredulous or unwilling to believe. When we've been waiting for a long time, it's scary to get our hopes up. When Gabriel shows up, he represents God's hope coming into our life. But when we've been disappointed, it's scary to let hope in. Look at verse 18. In verse 18, it says this, that Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. You can see what Zechariah's hope has been in. His hope all along has been in himself. And when we are at our weakest, God shows himself at his strongest. Because it's never been about what you can do in your strength. It is always about what God is going to do in our life and for those who trust and depend on him. And Christmas is a time to renew our faith in that God who moves in our life and does what we could never do for ourselves. But first, he makes us wait. He exposes all those ways in which we're hoping in ourselves, hoping in our circumstances. Not to discourage us, not to defeat us, but to make a way for us to find a hope in him that is stronger than in anything else in this world. And that takes us to this third level of silence that we see in the passage. So there's the nation of Israel waiting for the Messiah. There's Elizabeth and Zechariah waiting for a child. And then the third one, is Zechariah waiting to speak again. Look at this. Verse 19, it says, The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, it's easy to see this moment only as a punishment for Zechariah's unbelief, but what if it's more than that? What if 
this moment, this moment of silence, this nine months of silence is actually a gift to Zechariah, right? What if it's actually the way that the angel is helping Zechariah open his heart to the gift of good news that God has for him? All right, so I want to read Hebrews chapter 12, 11. Listen to this. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Waiting is like that discipline. It is painful. It is hard to wait. But God uses waiting to train us. To train us in what? To train us into people of hope. To train us into people who put their hope in God above everything else in their life. And for Zechariah, that means even in his age, even in his physical strength and his physical health and that of his wife. But that just shows you how committed God is to drawing our hope off everything else and onto himself. And that's, this is what Christmas is ultimately about. It's about learning and renewing our hope in God. I remember having to wait one time and it was so painful. I had gone through incredible lengths to save up money and get money to buy a ring for this woman that I wanted to marry who you know, my wife, who became my wife. And I was so excited. It was a crazy miracle just to get that money. And I was ready. I had just enough money. I went to the ring store and the, the jeweler brought the price down just so it would fit what I had in my pocket because I literally had every last dollar to buy that ring in my pocket. And I got that ring and I called up my wife's parents I said, I want to come over. I want to have a talk with you. And the first thing, she, you know, my mother-in-law said to me, or my future mother-in-law was, no, no. She was like literally shouting no at me. I'm like, yes, yes, I need to come over. And so she finally relented. I got in my car and I drove to see them. And when I sat in their kitchen, they took me through the ringer, challenging me on, was I really ready to be married to their daughter? And finally they looked at me and they said, look, we totally love you and are happy about you being with our daughter, but we need to ask you to wait. You see, her sister is engaged and is going to be married in a couple months. We want to ask you to wait until after her sister is married. Because by waiting until after her sister is married, we can give our daughter our full undivided attention. And we don't want Stacy feeling like her engagement period was shortchanged in any way. So we're asking you to wait. And for me, that meant waiting three months and that was one of the longest three months of my entire life. It might as well have been three years. And I could have pushed back. I could have argued. I could have just said, you know what? We're going to do whatever we're going to do. We're adults. But I submitted. And I said, you know what? I see the wisdom. I see the reasoning behind what you're asking. I'm going to do it. And I'm so glad I did. I just took that ring. I put it in a drawer and I tucked it away. There'd be days where Stacy would come over and hang out with me and be sitting in my room on the ground with her back right up against that drawer where that ring was. And it killed me thinking my ring is right there. And I would be tempted just to pull it out and propose to her right there. But I'm so glad I waited. What are those three months on the span of my life? Nothing. And by waiting, we had an incredible engagement and an incredible wedding. And we've had an incredible marriage. But it is hard to wait. It feels like discipline, but it trains us to be people of hope. Waiting is how God trains us because silence is how we lean in and silence is how we lean into the fiery crucible of waiting and come out with a hope in God that nothing else can substitute for. 
Listen to this, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. And this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. God is saying that in quietness, we find a strength in him that nothing else can give us. You see here, the Israelites are running around sort of in a frenetic busyness, trying to find something to give them confidence in the face of an, of an encroaching army. And God is saying, if you had just stopped and been quiet and waited on me, I would have taken care of you. In quietness, we renew our strength and our faith in God. And that's what Gabriel, the angel, is giving to Zechariah. There are two kinds of waiting. There's a waiting on God, and there's a waiting on anything else except God. There's a waiting on circumstances to change. There is a waiting on our ability to achieve something and accomplish something, a waiting on ourselves to control the situation and make things happen the way we want it. There's a waiting that just completely gives up on God altogether and just forgets about the dream altogether. But then there's a waiting on God that continually brings that longing, that desire before him. Zechariah is given the gift of waiting in silence to train him to hope in God and not in his body, his age, his wife's age, or anything else. And it's an invitation to repentance. Right here, listen, Isaiah 30. In repentance and rest. Oftentimes for us to rest and to be still and wait on God, we've got to repent. This is what Advent is. Advent is a time to repent, to to look at the way we've been engaging with those areas that God has us waiting in our life and ask ourselves, are you waiting on the circumstance to change? Are you running around frenetically and frantically trying to solve the problem on your own or looking for, or blaming others for not solving the problem for you? Or are you deepening you're waiting on God. And that's this deeper layer that we see. I wanted to pull my babushka doll. It's this deeper layer right here. This is that invitation to come before God in silence and to wait on him. Listen to what it says in scripture. It says this in Isaiah 40, 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That word for hope in the Hebrew also can be translated. In some translations it is Wait. Those who hope, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Where does God have you waiting in your life? Waiting for a better job, waiting for vacation to come, you know, waiting for this pandemic to end, waiting for a better financial situation, waiting for the love of your life to walk into your life. Whatever it is, Christmas is a time to renew our waiting on God and not on our circumstances and not on those situations. It's an invitation to repent, to surrender to God the specific outcomes that we're holding God to. God, you've got to do it just this way on my timing. Or to surrender our timing to God's timing for his best for our life. God knows just the right time to bring the answer to your prayers. 
or to surrender any of the ways that we have compromised and settled for second best in our life. You see that in scripture with Abraham and Sarah. Sarah goes and gets Hagar and says, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. Why don't you just have a child with Hagar and I'll take that child as my own. But we, if you know the story, that goes really badly. And it wasn't God's plan, it was Sarah's plan. God's inviting us this Advent to lean into the waiting and to put our hope in God at a deeper level than we ever have in our life. To surrender to the hope that God has absolute good in store for you, for our country, and for our world. But that hope isn't going to be in anyone or in anything except Jesus. And so this Advent, think about it, guys. The whole world is waiting for the end of this pandemic. I mean, just stop and think about that. When God has someone in waiting, he is training them in hope. A hope in him to do what they could never do for themselves. In this season, God has our whole world waiting because he wants to build our hope in him to do something that the brightest minds, the most tenacious politicians, the most intelligent scientists could never accomplish for us alone. I don't mean mean to diminish our scientists, our doctors, and our politicians. It's just God is trying to increase our hope and put our hope in him in a way that nothing else has the right to hold. So as we go into this worship song, I just want to invite you, where is God inviting you to surrender to his hope this Christmas? To surrender your control, the way it has to be, your timing, and allow the waiting to birth a new hope in God in your life. Christmas is so much about waiting, right? We get the lights out at the beginning of December. We get all the decorations and we begin our waiting for Christmas day. And with that waiting, there's both excitement and anxiety. There's the excitement of opening gifts, being with family and loved ones, old traditions, but there's also anxiety, especially this Christmas. Traditions that we won't be able to replicate, people we won't see, maybe even the fear of loneliness the missing of loved ones who have been there within the past but won't be with us this Christmas. Waiting brings up so much. It brings up excitement and anticipation, but it also brings up uncertainty and fear. God wants to use all of that emotional energy to open our hearts, to put our hope in him afresh. Waiting is what God uses to train us to put our hope in him. But in the process, yeah, all the other things that we put our hope in, it gets exposed. Yeah, we're human and we put our hope in other things other than God. God doesn't want to come in and judge us and accuse us. He wants to free us to be people of hope. People who live their lives on the firmness of hope in him a loving father who will never leave us, never forsake us, and who holds our future in his hands with the best of intentions. And so I want to read Isaiah 40 again. As we go into the season of waiting, any moment you are waiting at the traffic light in a long line to buy something, waiting on the other line, at the other end of like a painful conversation with, with a billing department, 
Or maybe it's just something as simple as waiting for Chick-fil-A on a Sunday for them to open on Monday. Whatever it is you're waiting for. Let's let these little moments of waiting be little reminders that our hope is in God and that we are being trained in our waiting to hope in him. So Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30. Let me read this to you again. And I wanted to encourage you, maybe you would memorize this scripture. And whenever you're waiting, you'll just recite this scripture that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Or depending on your translation, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And may this Christmas season be a renewing of the strength of your hope and your Father in heaven who will never leave you, forsake you, and who will meet us in our darkest night, in our lowest moments, and who brings us hope when we least expect. God bless you. Have a great weekend, a great Christmas. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.